2: That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host, and our guest today is Chris Clark. He is CEO and co-founder at Bad Pixel. We're going to talk to him about the work that he's doing in cannabis, and he has an interesting background and experience, and is now working with several different cannabis brands and cannabis companies. And an interesting kind of mashup: my background in technology and user experience design, and Chris's, and now in cannabis. So, you know, I'm really excited for this conversation because I think there's some really interesting things going on in, in cannabis as we kind of work on brands and customer experience and really develop this industry and really start to think more strategically about the customer and the consumer and the customer experience, these are all going to be things that are hugely important to cannabis companies as the industry matures. So I'm excited for the conversation. With that, Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you on. So let's do a little bit of background, and then we can kind of get into what you're doing today. So professionally, give us the uh, give us the story. Like how how like what were you doing professionally? How did cannabis come up? Tell us a little bit about the experience that you've had in the cannabis space, and then we'll talk about what you're doing with Bad Pixel.
3: Sure. So um, my background is a little bit varied. Usually, you'll you'll meet people that. Have a kind of a singular track focus on, you know, their careers, you know, obviously some people jump around, but mine basically started out in the design and development agency space. So my backgrounds in you know, agencies, I I worked for a number of them, you know, back in 99, 2000, and then ran one for the better part of 12 years in Los Angeles. And at that time, it was mainly in the entertainment space. So we were really focused heavily in the entertainment industry. And then from there, after that, in 2008, when everything kind of collapsed in on itself, you know, as most people did, I kind of re-imagined, you know, like, what was my you know, what was my career going to be like? And I kind of started doing consulting work for a lot of fortune 500 and financial companies. Cause I was like, that's going to be more stable. I think this is going to be a better you know way to go. And I didn't want to go through that, you know, the collapse again, just, you know, because agencies, as soon as you're clientele collapse then everything else does as well. So, so yeah, so that was that. And then, um, you know, kind of moving forward, that's kind of what led me to meeting some people that eventually I got into the cannabis space. And I worked for, you know, a gentleman, you know, uh, Alfred Miranda in a financial company down in Orange County. And um, we were doing a lot of stuff there for many, many years together. And then he got into the cannabis space and offered me a position there to basically come in and build their product design team. And for those of you that don't know what product design is, It's basically, you've heard the term UI, UX. um, Mm -hmm. That's one piece of it, uh, but it mainly is um, the design piece of a software, a piece of software that's being developed. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my goal there. And it got me into the cannabis space, which was really interesting because up until that point, I had not really been a cannabis user. I had not really been one of those people that were around it that much. Not that I had any issues with it because I didn't. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't anything that I was exposed to. So so yeah, so basically came in, built the product design team at Medmin and, uh, from the ground up, and uh, really kind of jumped in feet first in the fire because it was definitely... A crazy time there, and it was a lot going on at that time. But that's how I got introduced to it. So
2: yeah. So tell me, so exactly when did you get involved with MedMen? How big were they? What was the what was the kind of your starting position? And then tell us a little bit about how things unfolded from a company growth point of view.
3: Yeah. So I I started at MedMen back in April about three years ago. So almost you know three years to coming up on it uh, to the day. But yeah. So I got brought. They brought me in, and I was employee nine forty one, I believe. So, and I think Alfred was 200 and something. So, and he was there, I don't even think he was there a year until until I started, or after I started. And so that was, you can see the growth of that company that fast. And it was, and he had mentioned this, I think in your, you know, when you interviewed him, but it was crazy how fast that company grew. I mean, it was nuts. Then, you know, obviously I was part of that, but it was just one of those things where I I've just never seen anything like it. So,
2: yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been involved in, in lots of kind of crazy tech startups and, you know, these high growth companies, but yeah, there's something totally different about a high growth cannabis company that is, that is moving that quickly. What were your big takeaways from that? I mean, I kind of coming in, or I guess, what did you notice, going from kind of non-cannabis business into cannabis business what things were were you able to apply directly which things did you you know not able to apply what did you have to learn as you got into cannabis i'm curious kind of what the what that process was like and what the contrast was like for you
3: yeah for sure and and i um, i'd say that that is a pretty broad question and just in in and of itself just because there was so many things yeah. so i'll try to kind of focus it in more on you know my experience with the product design side of things, sure. but um, yeah, as a, as a product designer, um, you know, coming in, one of the things that you have a, a set of tools in your toolbox that you use to solve problems. And so what we're, we're do, what we do in product design is solve problems for the customer, the user, and you know, in in some kind of software environment. And so coming into that, you're like, oh, okay, well it can't be that much different. Right. And then you get there and you're like,
2: famous last words. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I know. I wish I had somebody like, you know, kind of videotaping me say that, but it was, it was vastly different. And I, I guess I'll just start with kind of some of the things that I was kind of thrust into initially, which was MedMen. Their only source of revenue was their, you know, their brick and mortar, their retail locations. And they had a version of their point of sale system that was, archaic at best because they had to build it from the ground up Mm -hmm. and they and a lot of them i think just did the best they could with just the knowledge that they had so that was a huge challenge and i can talk about that more you know in detail but they had no e-commerce platform and uh they had Very little brand marketing. They had, you know, a lot of different things that they wanted to do, but they just couldn't do because either regulations, because the state would say you can't do this, but you can do this. And then that was just in California. And then if you looked at MedMen Mm -hmm. as a national brand – there's some states you can't even say the word cannabis before somebody pops out of a bush and finds you for something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of those things. So yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of learning there, and you know, I, I get like I said, I can go into more detail on that, but I think that the biggest things for me was just the compliance regulations per state, the fact that there's no off the shelf like remedy that you can do on a POS system or an e commerce system, which is what you do to con- you know, conduct your business. Mm-hmm. So there's just all of these like these challenges. But I also think to answer that question a little bit. more, more detailed as it comes to me personally, I would say that was the biggest reason I chose that job because as a product designer and a a product design leader, one of the things I really want to do was build my own team, make sure, you know, I had built a previous creative team, you know, and that was something I've been doing. But this one was going to be unique to this industry, and we would be solving problems that no industry to date, I think, has ever experienced. And alcohol, you could say maybe came close to some of those challenges, but not mm-hmm. nearly on this level.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. As you were building out your team, I'm assuming you were you know bringing people in that didn't necessarily have you know a decade of experience in cannabis. Right. What did you notice as being things that or people that successfully were able to kind of work within the cannabis space, and and those people that maybe struggled more? Any kind of learnings or insights that you developed as you built out that team?
3: Yes, I, th- I think one of the things, you know, especially just when I build out creative teams or, you know, a product design team, the, the first thing that I look for in someone is just in their personality, just in alone. And I think that you have to have a very open-minded personality coming into this space since it is so new, at least on on the recreational side. Now, obviously you'd mentioned like the medical side has been around, the CBD and hemp industry has been around for a while so you know that's that's something that I don't I didn't think carried as much stigma especially when you start applying the medical piece to that but in the designers that I would look for is you know how open-minded are you or do you use you know any of this stuff and you have to kind of be very careful about how you approach that question you know because it is a personal question I mean you tell them up front you know you don't have to answer that but you are sitting inside of a building that you (laughs) sell cannabis yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so it's It's like like, it's
2: like being like during a liquor company and like "Eh, so do have you ever had a drink
3: (laughs) yeah exactly so, you know, I, I, you know, and it wasn't a, a qualification because to be honest with you, I wasn't a, a huge user yeah. myself. So, yeah. you know, I had no preconception about, you know, that as far as what they were doing in, in their personal time and things like that. So, but I, you know, I look for in the designers, just open-mindedness and big for me is communication. They have to be able to work together in a group. They have to be able to um, communicate very well, very clearly. They have to obviously know their craft. I, I feel like one of the things is people say, well, how are they at, at you know, being a product designer? And it's like, well, I think that's going to be the given, you know, that, I mean, I'm not yeah. going to bring them in if they're not, but I need to know more about the person and who they are. And, and, you know, so those are the things that I kind of looked for initially. And then, you know, just basically, you know, some of the designers that I hired, they were, some of them were more expert at using cannabis than I was. So it was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, so I do look for people that do have that experience and can even educate me or the other designers in that space. And I think we built a amazing and successful team at, you know, at MedMen. I think they did a great job and they're still some of those desires there today.
2: Yeah. Do you think that actually your your lack of cannabis experience knowledge helped you in some way in terms of being able to like ask questions or not make assumptions? i was curious. So like, people coming in new to the industry, there's there's a certain benefit.
3: Actually, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked me that because I think me being a, a novice, I would say, in the cannabis mm-hmm. space helped uh, tremendously because now I'm actually solving the problem for basically myself. So I yeah, I, exactly. can come, yeah, I can yeah. come at it from that angle. And then I've got, you know, two or three of my designers who, you know, use cannabis regularly and, you know, for whatever reason, and they can, we can kind of check and balance each other in these things, in these uh, development cycles, these sprints that we were doing. So it was one of those things where I, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges kind of, you know, again, personally was when we were developing um, some of the shop, the personalized shopping features for the, the in-store experience and also for the e-commerce platform for amendment.com which was you know as a customer what if i've never used cannabis and so yeah, exactly. that was the prime sub, you know suspect mm-hmm. so i come in it's like well i don't know what indica versus sativa is and i can sit there all day long and talk to a, a bud tender you know or whatever they're called a sales associate for whatever brand mm-hmm. and say you know they can answer some questions but how do you how do you do that online So how do you do that in e-commerce space? I don't have a bud tender sitting in my house with me. So we started, you know, basically developing, you know, these, you know, kind of personalized shopping experiences and these kind of wizards, you know, that you would get there and say, are you new to cannabis? Yes. You know, you know, how how do you want to feel or what is it used for? Or you kind of like what flavors do you like or are you using it for pain relief or trying to sleep? Or are you just trying to feel good or you won't be energized? So we started asking all these questions and gathering all this data. And that data really led to a lot more of a, a great shopping experience down the way. So We could use all of that to like personalize people's, you know, when they got to MedMed.com, they would elevate their products. We would, you know, if, you know there's a lot of technology, by the way, that I could talk about in that space but i would say that my you know my lack of knowledge helped us in a lot of ways that actually had a cascading effect into other technology pieces that we were developing
2: yeah yeah i'm curious as you you mentioned that this was it sounds like pretty much a custom build because you couldn't find things off the shelf i mean what was it because the things on the shelf didn't deal with the regulatory issues that the product kind of categories did, didn't support very well like what what did you where where did off the shelf software fall short that led you to working more on a custom build and how do you think that's changed over time or where do you think that's going from an industry point of view?
3: I think that you know you kind of you touched it pretty much on the you know the head, which is the compliance piece. You know, if, if it was being regulated more from a federal level than it is a state level, there would have been an easier, I think a point to entry. And then I think some of the off-the-shelf people could have actually built in modules that you could customize and then you could, you know, regulate how you wanted to. But because every state was so different, that was a big piece that was missing from all of the off the shelf. And then also payment types and payment solutions. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing because you can't use credit cards to buy cannabis yeah. because of the you know the federal regulation on that. So you know, you can use it was kind of funny during our time there, you could use debit cards for like a you know a split second for a hot minute, you could use debit <laughs> cards and then it was gone. And yeah. it's like, so we had we literally uh, had to have a switch in the back end that was like all right, turn off the debit terminal. Turn it off know. debit. Yeah. <laughs> Kill it now or we're going to get fined a million dollars. So, yeah, so we had that. It, it and was, it was crazy. And so then it would be, you know, cash only. And so, you know, obviously that kind of functionality and features, you know, and, and off the shelf, usually you can do it. It requires some rewiring, but it just wasn't there. I do think that, you know, as far as your, you know, the future of the off the shelf, it's starting to come around now because I think everyone's saying that federal is going to legalize it eventually. I mean, that's even more, I think more like predominant now, you know, just in the Mm -hmm. communication I've seen. Um, But I think that, you know, one of the things I'm also seeing is how are these cannabis companies trying to get around some of that regulation um, but still be compliant and still be legal. And one of the biggest things I've seen come up now in the, you know, is, is, payment apps, you know, maybe I can load a payment app and I can just use it for whatever I want to use it for. And so that's some of the, that's one of the biggest, I think leaps and, you know, I'm seeing in the industry right now is Hey, you know, we we have this solution, and as long as you have our payment app, you can you know get your cannabis however you want it, and you can fund it with whatever credit cards or debit or whatever, and they, they can't really say anything about it. So that's what I'm kind of seeing as far as the future goes in that space. So
2: yeah, it's interesting because I've I've seen a couple of different people trying to do end runs around some of these financial things. You know, whether it's using crypto or yeah you know, preloaded cards and things like that, but. I mean from a customer experience point of view though it's it's still so problematic of mm-hmm. you know not being able to use these kind of standard forms of payment and standard you know, networks and stuff. Sure. And what were the big challenges? I mean, you mentioned the whole, like, how do I, how do I recreate kind of the, the bud tender role in an online digital kind of experience? What were some of the other things that you had really had to grapple with as designers, you know, product designers and and figuring these things out?
3: So I think that one of the biggest ones for us, and this was, this is early on when we first got there, was even in the point of sale system. Um, you know, cause you like, again, that was one of the biggest things that had pieces in it that were not off the shelf as well. So one of the big things is checking into a dispensary. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to check into Bloomingdale's. You don't have to check into Whole Foods. <laughs> exactly. You know? So, and then that on top of that is every state, one would require you have a copy of their driver's license. Another state yeah. didn't want you to have any of their information, but you had to check it them into the store. So you would go from California saying, we need all this data. And then you would have Illinois saying, no, you, can, you can't even capture their name. So. <laughs> And those kind of things, it's like, oh, okay, now how do we globalize our, you know, our account system and how do we create these global accounts? So we had, that was one of the biggest pieces. And I'll tell you why that was even more challenging down the road is that that was one of the biggest challenges we had just from day one. But the biggest piece for that was, if you start layering in like a rewards program, or you start layering in kind of some kind of incentivized, you know, Shopping or personalized shopping. So it's like, I know I like Sativa and I want to see Sativa products only whether I'm in a dispensary or I'm in the e-commerce solution. So you just have to tie that account system together across Mm -hmm. both e-commerce and point of sale. And so one of the things there is some states you can incentivize with a reward program. Some people say you can't incentivize it because it's a controlled substance. So it's like you can't say, hey, oh, if you buy more more cannabis, you get a hundred points. It's like, no, now you're now you're pushing someone into a controlled substance and you can't do that. So wow. those are really big things. So we had to figure out how do we have this matrix of states and how do we uh, you know apply that. And then let's say that I'm a, you know, I'm a i I'm a businessman and I travel all the time. And so I mm-hmm. go to MedMen in California. I go to MedMen in Nevada, and then I go to MedMen yep. in Illinois. Well, now my points don't carry over to Illinois because they can't look me up in their system because the state says they can't have my information. So it was it was really really difficult, and we came up with some solutions for a lot of that. Um, I think uh, before I left, which was last year, one of the things was in those states you just didn't get your points. You know, it was just they had mm-hmm. to shut it off for that state, and that was just because of the state, yep. which you know made a lot of people, especially people that were I would. I, you know, just kind of the term power user, you know, this, whatever they would really get upset because they're, you know, as you know, it's an expensive industry and you're, you know, you go into a store, you're spending upwards of a hundred plus dollars, you know, a visit and those points can add up and and really, you know, affect your, your enjoyment of that product. And so it's like, yeah, so that was, that was some of the biggest pieces of that, but yeah. so
2: Yeah, it's fascinating. So you had this experience at MedMen. Where did you go from there? Tell us about what you're doing now with MedPixel.
3: So yeah, so um, so I left there and then kind of went back to my roots because I was kind of thinking, you know, as COVID was starting to hit, you know, basically, which is what caused a lot of us to leave in some, in some regards, some was mm-hmm. different. But I kind of just went back to my roots. I was like, you know what, I used to run agencies. You know, I, I enjoy, you know, having different clients from different, you know, backgrounds. And so we basically... My wife and I. My wife is actually a product manager, and she worked for MedMed as well. So both of us, you know, we were you know caught up in the layoffs, and we were just like, you know what? Let me just let's start another you know agency and let's just yeah. see how we do. And we did, and it's been going great. I mean, we we're we we're doing very well. And then we started bringing in you know cannabis clients, which was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. So I was like, wow, okay, so this is really going to do. You know, it's got some legs on it. So let's keep going with that. And to date, we're, you know, we've got, you know, over 12 different clients from different industries. We have two cannabis clients, one of them on the technology side, one on the dispensary side, um, and they're doing really well. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I'm really, really happy with how BadPixel is coming along and, and what we're doing there. And also, you know, we're kind of starting to get more and more into actual software development that we're going to be licensing out to other clients. So we already have one piece of software that we've created for the mortgage industry, which I think does really well. And we have a couple of clients that are licensing it. And so that was, uh, you know, a big piece of not just being a service-related company, but actually being a software company as well. So, yeah, the...
2: What pieces do you feel like you've you've been able to transfer from your MedMen experience into the clients you're working now and what, what pieces are different and new?
3: Oh wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. It's a, a little bit bigger than and broader, but I would say that one of the bad pixel was <laughs> Really understanding the multi multifaceted pieces from the compliance and legal industries. And, you know, my background also was in finance uh, mm-hmm. and mortgage. And so so those things are similar, but very different. But having to really focus in on all of the details. I mean, it's not just about, hey, you know, we're going to be designing this user interface and we're solving this problem for this customer or this user. Now it's like, well, how does that really get affected by the backend systems and making sure that those are all tied in together and the complete customer experience, not just the piece that I'm responsible for? So. It gave me a, a broader understanding of not just the product design piece, but the business piece as well. And I think that's really helped, you know, Pixel to kind of say, hey, not only are we going to help you with your product design needs, but if you're in a regulated industry, we can help you a little bit more with the compliance and legal side. And we have some insight to that that maybe another, you know, agency doesn't have.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, where do you hope to take this agency? What's the, what are your growth plans? Where do you want to be in three years?
3: So I think right now we're, we're trying to grow the agency into being, we want to keep it very pure into what it's offering. But that being said, one of the things that we've kind of seen is there is need in the cannabis space for Mm -hmm. these services, but there's also need to have an agency that understands all of those complexities that I mentioned, you know, the compliance piece, the operational piece, the technology piece. And so Alfred and I, and, and, And a couple of other industry professionals had started a conversation, and this was about a month ago. And we basically said, you know what? I think that we should be starting a cannabis company that does consulting, that, that that offers all these services, and Bad Pixel can offer the design and development piece of that. And then we have another you know industry professional that's offering the compliance piece. And then Alfred was gonna come in as the you know head of technology and operations, and we offered all of that, and we Basically, have started a new company called Green Growth, and um, it's at GreenGrowthSolutions.com, and that's basically going to be our cannabis focused um, company. And that ties in obviously to passing services off the back pixel and to other entrepreneurs or other businesses that we partner with. But at the main, you know, the top level of that internally, we're offering a lot of the, the design, development, and operation and technology pieces that the partners have under that roof. So yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's more, more of a integrated, multifaceted consulting firm around yes. this. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And, and what are the needs of the cannabis space at this point? I mean, as you kind of see this industry evolve, as these companies get bigger, as you know things mature, what are some of the services? What are some of the challenges, things that you're either servicing or anticipating having to work with, with these companies?
3: I would say the biggest pieces are conducting your business from day to day. And I know that sounds like a very generalized statement, but it's really not. I mean, because I think one of the things is, is transitioning your company from a dispensary model to an e-commerce model, I think is one of the biggest things. Because I think everyone, there's some benefits to the e-commerce model. You know, There's a certain level of anonymity. There's a certain level of quickness, everybody wants everything delivered, they want their instacart weed. you know they mm-hmm. want those kind of things now and a lot of people don't want to have to go through the check- into the dispensary and I'm walking around and you know maybe they you know initially that's how they want to you know do it so they can kind of get a, you know a feel for the industry a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of dispensaries, the more and more it grows, are going to be switching from a brick and mortar model to an e-commerce model. I think the, the second biggest need is compliance. I think that's one of the things that... You know it's so hard if you're gonna be a national operator to jump through all of these hoops and understand every state regulation and then not to mention the state regulations change like all the time. So to be able to jump through those hoops and things like that. And then I think the other biggest need is once this goes federal, what are those laws are going to be like and what you know what are the things and challenges you're gonna face then as as an owner. So I think one of the, if you have a partner like us that you know, we can offer those services and help you get through those needs. I think that just is the, the biggest the, I'd say the top three that I would name off the top of my head. Obviously we get into the minutiae of all the other little details, but those are the, mm-hmm. the top biggest ones I would say.
2: Yeah. And as you've grown your own company, like what have been some of the challenges? You know, obviously we're it's a unique one in that you've started this and grows <laughs> in COVID, but <laughs> what you know, what, what are some of the things you've kind of faced as as you've, you know, founded your company, started to scale it as you look at the future, like what are the things that you're faced with?
3: So I think with pixel. one of the the things that, and this might just be a stigma that I have in my head, just coming from the entertainment side of the agency world, but I would say that a lot of people, everybody wants to feel special. Everybody wants to feel like, you know what, I'm the only client that you have. And I think that one of the things that I kind of, is a challenge for me on a daily basis is, should I advertise or should I not advertise our services? Because there's something about having that. Los Angeles agency that takes care of me, but no one else is using them. So I'm, you know, it's like this kind of elite club or this specialized, you know, thing. But it's not really that way. It's just that's just the stigma or perception that you know you have to get over. And then some people see if an agency's advertising, they must not be doing well. Well, that's that's not true at all. You know, basically we're doing well so we're advertising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it, those are the kind of stigmas that I have to. You know, ch- that I challenge myself on on a day to day basis, but I'd say that it, it helps me do that. And then obviously just growing smartly, you know, making sure that you're not bringing on too many bodies to do the work too quickly yeah. because that can kill you. I mean, I think the medmen suffered from that greatly yeah. because of the growth and it just the expense of it. So that's one of the biggest things for me doing the work is the fun part. I think that's one of the things we, from day to day, we love, I mean, being able to help our clients with their design needs, their, you know, their website applications, their iOS apps, you know, those, those are fun challenges to have. And those are the things we really, you know, love to do. But I would just say that, you know, I think on the operational side, that's where the challenges come in. And I think the day to day of just getting the word out there that that we're there, we're there to help people and uh, we're helping them do their business. And I think that's one of the things that's, you know, it's challenging, but it is, it's concerning at times. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, I get it. And anything that you've seen particularly kind of interesting or well done in the industry at this point from, from your point of view on the kind of the product, customer experience, digital design, you know, any, any company that you think is just, is, is doing it right, has got a great strategy, has, has really developed some great, um, great products?
3: Yeah, I think that's, it's interesting because every year that I look into the industry, you know, like one year there'll be a company that'll be doing something really great. And then the next year they've kind of disappeared. And I'm I'm very (laughs) curious as to why that is. So, I mean, I, you know, you can always point your fingers at some of the large, you know, uh, product design and and advertising and marketing companies like a shy day or something like that. But I would say that some of the smaller houses I think are doing a really good job. I wouldn't be able to name anybody off the top of my head that I think is just killing it. I think they all bring something to the table. That's unique on depending on what product, that they're developing. But here the reason, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of vague about that, and, and I'll just say this is there's a lot of things that I think the, these companies do really well. And then I see some things that they're not doing well. And then I can't really fault them for because sometimes you're bound by a scope of work or you're bound by a need by, you know, the client or whatever that is not communicated to the outside world. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, you kind of have to look at and go, okay, you know, because I know what that is. I know when my hands are tied in a certain situation. And so I would say that there's a, it's a good handful of people out there. I would say that from a software company and, a, and then the product design piece of that, uh, just to kind of answer the question a little bit more specifically because they're a seasoned company and they've been around and they also do tie back to cannabis some, is I think Shopify is one of those companies that are trying. They've got their toe in the cannabis water right now that you can actually – Sell CBD and hemp, but you can't sell anything that has THC in it, obviously. But I think from a product design perspective and their software perspective, they've always been an industry leader and always like kind of really tried to figure out how to enter those industries, even when there was a there was a barrier to entry. And we actually looked at them like for a hot minute at MedMen, but but I think you know they do it really well, and I think they have a really solid team there. And I think they really, you know, care about what they do. But yeah, so there's, you know, kind of my thought on that. But again, I, I think that there's a lot of great agencies out there. And I think there's a lot of good companies out there. I'm happy to, you know, rec- recommend some some of them. But I would say that you have to just kind of take what they're working on with a grain of salt, including us, um, with saying, okay, you know, there there's things that I we work on that we think is amazing, but the public will never see it. And then there's things that, you know, We think are okay. They they solve the problem, but because of whatever need or, you know, or constraint, sometimes that, you know, that kind of gets the better of us in the public space. But yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. Christopher, then it's been a pleasure. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about Bad Pixel, what's the best way to get that information? So
3: yeah, I would say, um, you know, just go to our website. It's www.badpixel.io. And the reason I had the triple W at the beginning is because some people don't know that .io is a is actually a domain. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're trying to get the .com right now, but we'll see what happens.
2: Oh, I'm, I know that game.
3: But, yeah, it's a lot. Lot of fun and then um obviously if they're if you're a cannabis company uh, and it's cannabis you know product related whatever it is uh you can go to greengrowth.us and we can help you there so
2: great i'll make sure that both of those links are in the show notes and people can click me to get that chris thank you so much for taking the time today it's been a pleasure
3: it's been a pleasure thank you so much bruce appreciate it
2: that's it for this episode of thinking outside the bud be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes see you next time